Welcome to Icing the Ticker, WSOU's fantasy football podcast. For this week's episode, I'm Justin Nicosia, joined by Chris Kiley and Joe Walls. First, let me ask you two gentlemen, how are you today? I'm doing well. It's starting to get in those dog days of summer in July, where you're starting to feel that craving of that post 4th of July feeling of, hey, I'm getting towards August. I see spring tra- I see training camp for college football. I'm seeing preseason for NFL. I'm ready to uh, get ready back to the fall mode. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing amazing, man. I mean, it, it's been the long grind. Like Chris said, we're almost there for football, and it's it's been something that I've been waiting for for a while now. Yeah, it's something I've been waiting for, too. I can't wait to get back to school, have my own fancy football league at school, get a big board set up in my apartment. It's one of the best times of year. But let's start talking about how you should approach your drafts this year. I think the first thing we should talk about on the show is the running backs. Last year's top five picks in PPR drafts by average draft position were uh, Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, uh, Derrick Henry, and Ezekiel Elliott in that uh, that order, one through five. All five of them, uh, except for Zeke, missed at least five games on the year. But this year, we've seen a bit of a shakeup in the top five. CMC, who was number one last year, dropped to number two. He's the second running back overall. Kamara, who was drafted uh, third last year, actually stayed at that spot. But Derrick Henry, who was four, uh, fourth, dropped back to five. And Dalvin Cook, who is number eight overall, dropped to uh, – or is the eighth overall pick in this year's draft, RB6, after being second last year. And Ezekiel Elliott, man, what a fall from grace he had. He was fifth overall last year, RB5. He dropped all the way down to 30, uh, RB16, which means you could get him in the fourth round uh, in many leagues. So, Chris, I'll start with you. Just take a look at a few of these guys. How highly would you consider drafting them, um, especially considering how much they've fallen back in many leagues this year? Uh, Start with maybe CMC. Yeah, um, personally, I kind of always we we know the story, the storylines with Chris McCaffrey. It's he's a player that's probably I think the top of the league really when it comes to his overall talent besides uh, fantasy football, and he's just been nagged by injuries. Uh, when healthy, he's the top tier running back. Um, I don't like calling him injury prone because I don't think his injuries have really been the type of like you know hamstring or you know, pulling a muscle or groin injury where it's just consistently, the guys just uh, had uh, just a couple of nicks these past two years, which really caused them to not be healthy the entire year. And guys like that, you never get healthier. Once you, you know, hit that phase, once you start getting hit by injuries, you almost never see a, a, a rebirth. So I think that he is a guy that I would want to steer away from if I'm drafting top four, if you're in an eight, 10, 12 man draft. Uh, I would stay away from him top four, but once he gets in that middle of the road and or late first round, if he's still there, because I think that's really the main thing that people are just worried about when it comes to Christian McCaffrey is just injuries. I would I would uh, go in. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. I mean, again, I don't want to call McCaffrey injury prone, but I feel like at some point you sort of have to where how does it continue to where he is a top of the league running back, but he continues to fall almost every year now and continue to miss a substantial amount of games at times. And I think you also have to take into account his new quarterback, or at least what we're assuming is the new starting quarterback in Carolina with Baker. 
he's a very, very much a pass first quarterback. It feels like, and that's sort of been his thing. His whole time in Cleveland is his arm. So do we see more of Baker using like Robbie Anderson or somebody else on that Panthers wide receiver core instead of CMC? Yeah, and another question that could be arises is how often they're going to be going to uh, backfield just in general in Carolina. We all know that's a rebuilding year for them. They're probably going to be passing the ball a lot more if they're trailing a lot. So that could be another thing that might make people want to stick away from Christian McCaffrey. Uh, yeah, from Christian McCaffrey. Uh, but how about some other guys? Derek Henry, he's the fourth running back going overall this year. Do you guys think last year's injury concerns or anything to uh, – that would carry over into this year? And if so, would you consider drafting him in the first round? Like he's being drafted top five in most leagues. Uh, I wouldn't be worried so much as drafting him because of his injury last year. I'd be more so worried about, um, I could give an equivalent. I'd say Larry Johnson with the chiefs in the mid two thousands. He was a guy that had, I mean, had two insane seasons, gained a lot of touches. He got injured one year halfway in the season and the rest is history. His, season, his career never came back to that period. Uh, I don't really think I want to say it's going to be like that for Henry, but my main worry is just him being run into the ground by the Titans. I mean, it's just been three yards in a cloud of dust. A lot of his touches in the COVID year, he averaged like 25 touches a game last year before his injury. He averaged nearly 30. He was roughly 29. I mean, he's a guy that I'm not so much worried is, going to get it really injured but he's just going to break down possibly just by the amount of rushes that he's just been getting in Nashville yeah but to counter that I think that you know Derrick Henry could be that guy this year especially now with the Titans losing probably what was that guy in AJ Brown so now you're losing a big part of their receiving core who else do you go to obviously yes you have to worry about him getting run into the ground like they have been recently. But I think Henry has also shown that he's a workhorse and that he can sort of battle through that regardless, even if it is just three yards in a cloud of smoke or like small rushes over time. Eventually, he breaks out every time you you see it any time he gets to that point. He has the one breakout run a game or two breakout runs a game that can just propel him, especially in fantasy. Yeah, not only do those breakout runs help him just in terms of getting to those 100, 150-yard games, but also gets him those bonuses. If you're in a league that has bonuses for a 40-yard touchdown or a 50-yard touchdown or a 100, 200-yard game, those big breakout runs help you get to that point. And I think the Titans, yeah, they lost A.J. Brown, but they were still the number one overall seed in the AFC last year. They didn't lose that much outside of Brown. They still have one of the best offensive lines in the National Football League. They have a very good defense and a quarterback that's not going to be making many mistakes. I still think that they're not going to be in a situation uh, where they're going to have to be passing the ball 40, 45 times a game. And that really plays well into Derrick Henry's hands. Uh, another couple of guys that we had just mentioned a little while ago, uh, Alvin Kamara, who was picked third overall last year. I was actually looking at the wrong list when I uh, had spoke earlier. He was He's actually the 18th overall uh actually scratch it one second i'm just double checking so oh uh, yeah he, okay camaro is actually the 18th overall player uh picked so far this year rb10 do you guys think that's a little bit low for him especially considering that um with a bunch of key players back in that offense that maybe the running game is going to be opened up a lot more than it was last year 
I mean, yeah, I mean, it really all just breaks down to uh, him being suspended for his uh, just incident, let's just say, in Las Vegas. Um, in the end of the day, I uh, am somebody that doesn't really like to hinge on, like, him, his unavailability in September. Uh, fantasy football is one in November and December where you when you're late games. I think he'll definitely I think he'll be back then based on his um, his suspension. So I do like Kamara. He is a guy that I have slightly lowered over Dalvin Cook because I think Cook is going to get a decrease in a lot of those halfback dives. And according to what's coming out of Minnesota, that he'll be uh, more passing packages as a running back. Joe, anything you want to add about Kamara? Uh, really, for Kamara, I think you have to worry about just he, – he's – I don't want to say he's inconsistent at times, but I feel like over the past couple of years, he's fallen into that inconsistency. Obviously, he had his problems with – he had some issues with inconsistency in the past, even before his issues. And, yes, he is a top five, top – possibly three running back. But again, it's the same thing with all of these other running backs that are falling consistently every year. At what point do you say it's time to move on to the next generation of running backs and stop looking at these guys and maybe say, oh, this rookie could be good. Maybe I take him higher than an Alvin Kamara or I'm sure we'll get to it, but Ezekiel Elliott and see how they plan out and then wait. And then if you need a veteran you take them later on yeah i'm glad you brought zeke up because he was gonna be the next guy i was gonna ask you guys about he didn't really have a great year last year tony pollard started to emerge uh as somebody that could help out in that backfield uh kind of almost split carries with him later on in the season and zeke was the only person out of the group of the top five picks last year who didn't miss five games last year i believe he had 15 games on the year so he missed two um, but he dropped all the lowest out of all of them. He dropped from five all the way down to 30th overall, 16th in running back. So he's looking like he's going to be an RB two in most leagues. He's probably not going to be drafted until a third or fourth round, depending on how big your league is. Do you guys even want to go near him? I remember last year for me, somebody I didn't really want to go near was Saquon Barkley. I didn't really love the injury history that he had. I didn't love the situation he had with the offensive line. Obviously, the Cowboys' offensive line is much better than the Giants' line was. But how do you guys feel about uh, say about Ezekiel Elliott? What do you guys think? I agree with you, Justin. You pretty much said everything. Uh, he's definitely my guy of the year. Last year, I think for me, it was uh, it was Josh Jacobs was a guy that I was steering away from. Thankfully, that uh, knocked on wood and was successful. So this year, uh, I definitely would agree. Stay away. In the uh, he's obviously not going to be a first round pick the way it looks like. Possibly a running back too, but I think you hit a hint on it that Tony Pollard, I could really see that, you know, with Zeke, he could be pushing away towards, you know, we've hit a clear one-two where it might just be hitting a point where it might be even, or in some cases, Tony Pollard could be the getting the majority of the reps as running back. Call me crazy. Yeah, I mean, I echo uh, all of those sentiments 100%. If you want to go with a Cowboys running back in your league, just take Pollard. I mean, Pollard showed that he was probably better. We don't know if that's a flash-in-the-pan sort of season that he emerged in, 
or if this is now a consistent thing that he'll keep up. But if you really want somebody from that Cowboys backfield, just take Tony Pollard and then maybe if Zeke's still sitting there in round four, round five, round six, then say, yeah, I'll pick him up as like a bench running back for if my RB2 has a week off and the Cowboys happen to be playing. Mm, so he's going to be a guy that you might stream a little bit. That If he, you know, is a little bit further down draft boards, you might be able to trade for him, get a little bit of value out of him or have him on your bench. Like you said, maybe, maybe if he just continues down the decline, maybe some teams will drop him uh, later on, but you're probably looking at a lot of smaller leagues that would do that, but we'll, we'll see. Maybe, maybe Zeke comes back to the you know, 2019 form that he had where he was really, really good. But if he doesn't, then, uh, you know, if you waste a fourth or fifth round pick on him, you're not losing that much. But if you do get him and he goes back to that 2019 form, then then you're looking at a really good pick. I think that it's hard uh, to pick Zeke. It's hard to pick him in one of the first couple of rounds. But if you get him later, like around that 30th spot, I actually do like that for him. Um, but it'll be tough. It'll be tough if he has a year like he had last year. But now that we're still on the topic of Zeke, he's in a crowded backfield. And now there are a lot of backfields in the NFL that start to seem like they're getting crowded. You look at the backfield in uh, Cleveland, Mick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, even Dearness Johnson is a pretty uh, crowded backfield. In Los Angeles, you got Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson uh, crowding up the backfield. Even in New York, you have Brees Hall joining a backfield with Michael Carter, who averaged 4.3 yards per carry. And there are a bunch more of backfields that are just more and more crowded gone are the days of just one running back uh, per team for the most part. How do you feel with uh, these, some of these teams that have a really talented player in the crowded backfield? Are you kind of staying away from these guys in the first couple of rounds? Uh, personally not. Um, you're mentioned in the case of Brees Hall. I love Brees Hall as the uh, one of the or two, three possibly rookies that I like to pick. Uh, that's sort of my game plan of trying to get those rookies of that low, um, you know, low uh, value early, but uh, high ceiling at the end of the season. Brees Hall, I think, is a guy that he's a, he can play all three downs as a running back. I think he's going to be that main guy for the Jets as the season gets later on in the year, where he'll be getting a majority of the reps rather than Michael Carter. And I love getting uh, this as a, as a player that I think can be a steal come November and December. I love Brees Hall as a pick. I don't think uh, Michael Carter will be a continued player that will be getting a majority of the reps. He's really a late uh, pick that the Jets got a while back. That is, I think, just going to be seen as just a clear running back too. I agree. I think Brees Hall could be a really good pick, especially round two or even if you want to use him as an RB2, you could. But I also want to talk a little bit about Nick Chubb. I think Nick Chubb is in a place where it's pretty clear, even though the backfield is crowded, that it's a one-two punch with Chubb and Kareem Hunt, and Kareem Hunt's only really there for like goal line runs or th- fourth, third down runs, to where Chubb is getting enough of the reps that I don't think you steer away from him at all because he has the talent, he has the reps, and he has the explosiveness that you're looking for for an RB1. So if you're steering away from him, I think you're probably making a mistake on your draft. Yeah, I mean, Nick Chubb has proven over the past couple of years, as long as he could stay on the field, that no matter what, like 
even if he's even if Kareem Hunt and even Dearness Johnson are some of the more talented players in the NFL, that he's still going to put up the points that to warrant RB one, uh, I guess playing time on your roster. But just to touch on those two guys that we spoke on for a minute, Nick Chubb has actually been drafted 16th overall. He's the RB9 so far. It's still early in the draft season. A lot of this stuff can change, especially if players get injured during training camp. But that's a little bit later than uh, I would have expected him to be. That's going to be looking like a second round pick for most uh, most drafts. Maybe he could fall into the third round. If he could fall into the third round, you're getting a lot of good value there. And then Brees Hall is getting drafted even later. He's getting drafted 44th overall. That's looking like the fourth or fifth round. You might be getting into a couple of tight ends getting drafted at that point, a couple of quarterbacks getting drafted at that point. And he's the RB21 uh, so far. So if you could snag him pretty late and the Jets kind of stray away a little bit from Michael Carter, uh, you're looking at a really good pick with Brees Hall because he also has some really good hands. He can definitely get you a lot of points in PPR formats. Uh, The last running back I want to talk about is Jonathan Taylor last year? He, I mean, two years ago in his rookie year, he exploded onto the scene. He followed it up last year as being the best running back in fantasy, and he's been being picked at the top of the draft in most leagues this year. He's the number one overall pick by uh, average draft position. Is he your guy's clear cut number one, or is there anybody else that uh, you might consider drafting at number one overall? Doesn't have to be a running back, but anybody else that's even in the conversation. Um, I personally, I don't see that there would be any reason not to take um, Jonathan Taylor number one person. I think that if I'm not at number one and uh, I would like, uh, I've loved Najee Harris since he's come on with the Steelers. You look at that team right now. I don't think with Mitchell Trubisky or um, uh, either way, even with, uh, with the situation for the Steelers, the quarterback, that they're not going to be focused on the passing game right there. I'll take John. Uh, I'll take my bad. Uh, I'll take uh, clearly. I'll have um, Najee Harris as my main running back. If I can't get uh, Jonathan Taylor, I would love that. Be That would be my possibly two overall pick. In my opinion, I think Jonathan Taylor right now, at least is the clear cut number one. If he has another season like he did, either his rookie season or the season after, uh, you're sort of getting the probably the best PPR player out there right now. I mean, obviously that could change because football is always a fluctuating game. So Taylor could have an off off year just like a ton of other guys have had after their breakout years. But I think if you are at number one, I think it's almost cut and dry that you go Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, I agree. I was able to get Taylor, I, I believe, either seventh or eighth last year. And that was right around where he was going. Um, and I got good value out of him. He was my MVP by far last year. Um, and I think he is the number one. But I think a few other guys that you could put in consideration, Chris, you did mention Najee Harris. Um, he gets a lot of points in PPR leagues. That's how he averaged over 20 points for most of the last season. Uh, Derek Henry, if he is fully healthy, I think he could make you could make the case for him to be above Jonathan Taylor. But I think as of right now, especially if you're weighing in injury concerns, Jonathan Taylor has to be the uh, first player off the board, not just the first running back. But we'll transition over to wide receivers. 
Last year, a bunch of wide receivers had breakout years. The first two names to come to mind are Cooper Cup and Debo Samuel. A couple other guys that you get also come to mind are Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, who won an offensive rookie of the year last year. Do you avoid overreacting to the breakout season, like try and avoid reaching on the two guys or those four guys or some other guys that also broke out? Um, or do you jump the gun in anticipation that they'll do it again? Because if you pick up a Cooper Cup or a Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase and they perform like they have been performing uh, the last last year, you're getting a big, big piece for your roster. Yeah, um, just to go through all four. Cooper Cup, um, having the season they did, it's almost impossible not to have a slight decrease. Uh, stats show that when you have the wide receivers all time, they've had 16 touchdowns, five of them. Only two have gone on next year to have 10-plus touchdowns. So I would be watching uh, to be see if Cooper Cup is that chalk number one wide receiver pick, even though he might have a slight divot in production. Debo Samuel, I personally just love him simply for the fact that he's playing for a contract. This is a guy that is, you know, upset with the situation that is in Santa Clara with the 49ers. Uh, personally, don't get why that. I mean, he's in a very solid organization with John Lynch and um, Kyle Shanahan. I would stay there. But regardless, he's a guy that is definitely playing for the money in football. When you have guys on your team that are playing like that, they will go out and they're going to play all 17 games this year. And they're going to be reliable. Last year, Samuel was a guy that Went out and had one of the highest, I think, differences between expectations and production. So both guys, uh, yes, and uh, slightly less so for Cooper Cup based on previous year. Uh, and for the two LSU guys, I think that there's going to be no problem in continuing their success. Uh, Jamar Chase in his second year, Justin Jefferson showed that there wasn't really a decline. If anything, it was an increase with his total receptions. So I'm really not worried at all. Gump, uh, jumping the gun, all four of these guys are clear wide receiver number ones on their team. They're going to get a majority of the receptions on, by all four of their quarterbacks, Dio Samuel Lester, so with his with his running, but all four major yes. Yeah, I think I, I can't, I mean, I can't disagree, obviously. Uh, Cup being wide receiver one, even if he does decline, whether that is due to how long he's been in the league, he's sort of reaching that, veteran status at this point and having Matthew Stafford uh, Debo obviously if you're not looking at him solely for receiving like Chris said he also does rush a lot and when I say a lot I mean a lot and that's where most of his touchdowns come from as well uh, Jefferson and Chase I think Chase has the best chance to have another Justin Jefferson like season where he just upticks in production because uh like chris said he is the clear wide receiver one and joe burrow loves throwing to him i mean we saw it last year he was primary target for joe burrow because that's what joe burrow is comfortable with jefferson i'm sort of up in the air i think it really depends on how the vikings quarterback play is uh obviously that being kirk cousins so does he continue to get that uptick or does cousin sort of fall off and have a bad year where he's missing throws or not looking at Jefferson as much anymore? That's fair. I believe I'm going to be a little bit contrarian here. 
um, and say that Cooper Cup will be the guy I'm the most concerned about last year. Look, he had an all-time great receiving year last year, but I don't see him putting up those numbers again this year. I mean, obviously nobody really would expect him to put up two consecutive years breaking all these records as a wide receiver. And I know my friends are going to hate me for this because if they're listening to this at home, because they're huge Cooper Cup guys as well. But, you know, I, I don't think that he's the clear-cut wide receiver one this year. I don't even know if he's necessarily a clear-cut top five receiver. I think he's probably the best receiver on the Rams roster. But I'm getting a lot of concerns because Cam Akers is going to be back and fully healthy now. Daryl Henderson missed a few games last year. Now he's going to be fully healthy. These Los Angeles Rams may be leaning more on the run game this year. And the Rams also just got out and got Allen Robinson this year, who had a down year last year. But finally, he's going to have some competent quarterback play again with Matthew Stafford out there. We saw last year, yes, he struggled. He only had 410 yards and a touchdown, Robinson. And that hurt me in one of my leagues. But before that, we were looking at a guy that could get six, seven touchdowns a year. He even had double-digit touchdowns in 2015 back in Jacksonville, and he had 14. We're looking at a guy that is usually a 1,000-yard receiver. I don't know if you're going to have uh, a team where you have one guy that's a 1,000-yard receiver getting seven, eight touchdowns and another guy that is going to get you 2,000 yards and 12, 13 touchdowns. I just don't know if that's really reasonable. I don't really know if that's just feasible. Thanks, Matt Nagy. It is Matt Nagy. You're right. But I think that just the combination of Gaddon Robinson and the combination of that and leaning more on the running game, it's just a little bit more concerning for me personally. Um, Debo, I'm really high on, especially because he has that value running the ball. Jamar Chase, I think, is going to be capable of putting up uh, just as good numbers, if not better this year, as Joe Burrow develops and as um, he's really still the clear-cut number one receiver on the team. And Justin Jefferson, I do have a few concerns with Kirk Cousins, but I think he's more than talented enough to, um, especially if he's going to be the fifth or sixth receiver off the board, I think he's more than talented enough to counteract that. But we'll see. Uh, keeping on the topic of breakout receivers, are there any breakout candidates you see uh, primarily from the wide receiver position coming up for this year? Yeah, mine, uh, I'll give one there, and then I'll just give one other uh, non-wide receiver. I'll go with Rashad Bateman. Um, I'd say it's less so of that I see him breaking out and more so it's just pure necessity. Um, Lamar Jackson, is, is there anyone really that Lamar can consistently throw to? that is not named Mark Andrews this year that you can guarantee. I mean, I'd have to say Rashad Bateman is a guy that really you didn't see much out of last year. I mean, you, I think I, he's got to be the clear guy that I'm going to. I mean, you lost Hollywood Brown. I loved him as a reliable guy that Lamar went to. But uh, I think that Rashad Bateman is going to be someone that is going to come in and make an immediate impact this year with um, Ravens just needing guys to throw to in a – in, in, in passing and then also the uh, the my other breakout I think I go with Trevor Lawrence he just had a horrible situation that he got thrown into in his rookie year he had he was not accustomed to such a toxic situation like Jacksonville and with the losing that he had to gone through compared to his eight years in high school uh, and then at Clemson and also when you come into a better coaching position or Meyer was a complete and total joke he had wide receivers last year that led the league in most passes dropped. I definitely used to see Trevor Lawrence in uptick, possibly as a QB2, possibly a late season acquisition in the free agent market.
for me, I think, I, I don't know if you'd call it a breakout and more of an increase in productivity, but I think I have to give a shout out to Devonta Smith. I mean, we saw it at times where he could be that big, big play wide receiver one. Obviously now, A.J. Brown coming into Philadelphia might change that a little bit, but I still think Jalen Hurts is very comfortable throwing to Devonta Smith. And I think they finally figured out their chemistry a couple of weeks into last season. And now it's just a build on that chemistry and continue to create opportunities for Devonta where he could break out into what could be one of the best wide receivers in fantasy this year. I'm going to go with a obscure uh, receiver here, at least more obscure than the guys that you both mentioned. I'm going to go with Alan Lazard here. Uh, We all know what happened in Green Bay. Uh, and this is just this is given that Aaron Rodgers is staying, which I'm assuming he has. He hasn't really made that much of a fuss in recent months. But Green Bay, Devontae Adams got shipped out. He went to Las Vegas. And now Lazard is probably going to have to emerge as the number one receiver uh, in a Green Bay offense, which has Aaron Rodgers, who is arguably the most talented quarterback in the league, if not one of the most talented quarterbacks of all time. And, you know, Aaron Rodgers is probably going to put up a 40 touchdown, 5,000 yard year. And somebody's got to get all those touchdowns. Somebody's got to get all those receiving yards. And I think Alan Lazard, who had a sneaky, like decent year last year, he had nearly 13 yards per reception. He had eight touchdowns. He was pretty solid last year. And that was in the wake of uh, Devonte Adams being the best receiver in football, not named Cooper cup. So I think Alan Lazard is set up for a very good season this year. And I'm just looking at where he's getting drafted in uh, most fantasy leagues real quick. And he's getting drafted extremely low. He's getting drafted as the 47th receiver. He's the 114th guy off the board. You could probably get him. Pick, Justin. What's up? That's a good pick. I mean, just yeah, base logic. Thank you. Yeah. And you get him near the 10th round. If you get him in the 10th round and he's like a wide receiver three on your team, I think that's a, I think that's a great pickup. So last year we saw a few wide receivers have breakout years. Like we mentioned, Jamar Chase was the most notable one. But this year's wide receiver draft class was insane. 13 players were drafted in the first two rounds. Six of them in the first round, seven in the second round. A few of the notable ones, Drake London, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Jameson Williams, Jahan Dotson, and Traylon Burks. They all went in the first round. Uh, does anybody stick out to you guys as somebody with potential to do what Jamar did last year, either in the first or the second round, or even potentially uh, in one of the later rounds? So I think the chalk pick here, I would say, is Drake London. His size, his physique makes it a really hot pick. Um, and particularly with just the weapons or the lack of weapons that are in Atlanta really make him as the top guy. However, having Desmond Ritter or Marcus Mariota as your quarterback makes me like think that's uh, shady at best, really. I mean, that's not really that uh, reliable. Um, But I'd say uh, Trayvon Burks is probably my pick. It's kind of seen as almost a swap in in exchange for – uh, A.J. Brown, not really saying that he will play like A.J. Brown, but I definitely could see a lesser scale to the amount of targets that he will be getting, particularly with his size. I mean, he is got that. Uh, he did show that clearly at Arkansas with the, just his ability to go up and get that ball, uh, get up like those uh, 
high-arching balls uh, by K.J. Jefferson. But, yeah, I'll go with Traylon Burks really as the my pick. Uh, Drake London is kind of the chalk pick. I think my pick has to be Chris Olave. I think he proved at Ohio State that he can be a big play wide receiver. And again, it's a almost lack thereof weapons in New Orleans. And I think he also maybe falls into the same boat as Burks or any of these rookie wide receivers with their quarterback situation that we don't really know what's going on in New Orleans right now. Honestly, I haven't heard anything out of New Orleans with the with the quarterback situation. So it, it could get pretty bad over there, but I think Olave has the talent to sort of negate whatever is going on with New Orleans at the moment to where he can still be a big play wide receiver and he should be a, a rookie that you look out for maybe later on in, in your drafts. Now, would you have any concern with the return of Michael Thomas? Possibly, but I think the big thing with with Thomas is he can sort of become, I don't want to say narcissistic, but he if he doesn't get receptions and Olave is playing better, that Thomas will just end up sort of falling by the wayside again like he did last year where he was sort of upset about stuff and then he got hurt. And obviously that meant he couldn't play anyway, but it didn't seem like he was playing up to what he was even before he got hurt. All right. I think that's actually kind of smart too, because if he isn't getting as much of the target share as he usually uh, would expect to get, maybe he sulks about it a little bit more. Maybe he just decides to say, Hey, I'm out leaves basically. uh, And just doesn't put in the full effort and more of the target share uh, kind of goes away from Thomas but my pick here would be um, Jahan Dotson for Washington Commanders because, look, they went out there, the Commanders, they traded for Carson Wentz. No, he's not the best quarterback in the world, but he's serviceable. He's definitely right around that league average uh, quarterback. And, and rest in peace, Dwayne Haskins. But he was not – he was just not doing it for Washington. And Terry McLaurin kind of was struggling a little bit under him. Um, not necessarily struggling in terms of he was bad. I mean, he had three 1,000-yard seasons. But when you have a guy with a caliber, a player of – or excuse me, he had a 900-yard season and two 1,000-yard seasons. But when you have a guy of the caliber of Terry McLaurin, you expect him to have some 1,500-yard seasons, some 10-touchdown seasons. And he's only had seven, four, five touchdowns um, throughout his career. And that's because he's one of the guys in the NFL who's most – double teamed in the NFL. I believe he might be the number one most double teamed uh, receiver in the, uh, in the NFL. I'm not hundred percent sure. Not being a pro bowler yet. It's wild, by the way. It is wild. But what I think he could do is he's already drawn a lot of the coverage um, on the, on the commanders. If he draws coverage, especially for the first few weeks of the year before opposing defenses realize how Dotson is, just a great player he was really good especially last year in penn state where he had nearly 1200 yards and 12 touchdowns i think that he's going to get a lot of the target share early on when mclaurin's getting double teams and 
He'll just be very productive, especially earlier on in the year, maybe a little bit later as they adjust, it opens away for McLaurin. So if you're looking for McLaurin in drafts, I think this is the year that he breaks out, not just as a top 10, but maybe a top five receiver. Uh, but it is crazy, like you said, Chris, how he hasn't become a, uh, a pro bowler yet in his career. I think that he definitely should be deserving of it at some point. I think this year might be the year. But the last topic that I wanted to discuss today before we get out of here, we've got to talk about it. Sean Watson. Brown's training camp begins next week and rolling on Watson suspension. Uh, I think the league judge said it was going to come out before uh, training camp begins. I believe on Friday is when uh, rookies report and Mondays is when veterans report. But Pat McAfee on a show yesterday, or um, it's going to be Tuesday when you're listening to this, expects a suspension in the time frame about two to eight weeks, which means you're going to have at least half of the year of Deshaun Watson if that's what uh, ends up coming down on him. How do you approach drafting uh, a QB in general, but more specifically Watson knowing this? I mean, it's definitely some big news. Would you even just stray away from Watson just because of his character in general? Like, uh, I don't want somebody like that on my team. Chris, we'll start with you. Yeah, that's not really going to be my main pick right away. Um, obviously, the first are going to go are going to be Josh Allen, Mahomes, Herbert. It goes without saying. But as I mentioned earlier, with looking at fantasy football, yeah, he's going to be out September, definitely almost. He's probably a good chance he'll be out in October. But, hey, you play in December. You play those games that matter in late December and even some cases now, even early January, where, yeah, Deshaun Watson in this case is not going to be that big of a problem because I think that by that time, well, we also have to take into account the playoff chances for uh, the Browns, but I definitely would not be shy away from taking Deshaun. I think almost you can get him at really late because I think it'll just be an automatic thing in a lot of people's minds of, oh, you have no idea. That's a complete and total wild card. Don't even touch him. That's the uh, fruit of the forbidden tree. But uh, I, I wouldn't be scared of taking him late in the late once you get he reached like 12 or you're getting past that, you're getting the double digit rounds. Just don't be worried about that if he comes and just it's just almost become clear in the in your draft room that everyone's saying like who who's going to take Deshaun Watson who's going to take Deshaun Watson don't be worried about it uh, if he does fall to being a free agency keep him uh, on your eye keep him on your eye and just make sure to keep a good look at your how your QB room is looking in the first uh, month or so. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Don't shy away from taking him obviously maybe don't take him as high because it's still such an unknown area where like is he going to be suspended longer is he only going to be out for a couple of weeks is it a full season we don't know obviously we don't know we haven't heard anything besides what the league judge said when the ruling is coming out but he still does have that talent regardless of his off-field antics and whatever he does off the field, on the field, he is still Deshaun Watson, the guy that led a Texans team that probably had no reason to be a playoff team to the playoffs, I believe once, maybe twice in his time in Houston. So obviously he's a talented player and it's less than what you think for off-field antics. 
Yeah, I'm with you guys. I don't think that you should necessarily draft him in one of the first five, six, seven, eight rounds. And I'm a guy that usually takes quarterbacks earlier, but right now his average draft value is 153rd overall. That's around a 13th or so uh, round. If you're in a 12 man league, that's 20th. He's a 20th QB overall. So in many leagues, he's actually not even necessarily going drafted unless you might have like a two QB format. And if you're going out there, I'm a guy, like I said, drafts quarterbacks early. I might go out there and get somebody like Josh Allen or Justin Herbert or Joe Burrow uh, early on. And if you get somebody like that, and even if, um, even if Watson gets that eight game suspension there, they have a week nine by, he'd be back by week 10. If you have a guy that is as talented as one of the guys I just mentioned, like one of the top five QBs in the league as your QB one, well, you're not necessarily going to need Watson during those games. He's fine sitting on the bench because you're going to be starting uh, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert every single game. Uh, anyways, I do believe that Watson is probably a top five most talented player just in terms of his NFL skill set when he plays. Um, but if, even if he gets the eight game suspension, you come back and then you have a guy that you drafted much later than some guys are getting players like Derek Carr or Trey Lance or Tua. And if he comes back, and he's playing, which I think he would because the Browns don't want to really play Jacoby Brissett at this is their starting quarterback all year. If Deshaun Watson's back week 10, I assume he's going to be playing for them week 10, week 11, all the way up to week 18. I think that if you're letting him rot on somebody else's bench and you come playoff time, you have to face him. Well, then you're not in a good place. I think I would rather have him, even if I don't start him, even if I don't feel comfortable enough with starting somebody with those allocations, at least he's not playing for any other team and he is just i'd be comfortable having him in my hands more than somebody else any other final thoughts from either of you no okay well this has been this week's edition of the ice in the ticker podcast for wsu sports i'm justin nicosia joined by chris kiley and joe walls everybody have a great day great night whenever you're listening to this and draft well take care